Chapter forty one of The Sword of Damocles by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book five Woman's Love. Chapter forty one The Work of an Hour. Base is the slave that pays. Henry V. Heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury like a woman scorned congreve mr sylvester upon leaving the bank had taken his usual route uptown but after an aimless walk of a few blocks he suddenly paused and with a quiet look about him drew from his pocket the small slip of paper which bertram had laid on his table the night before and hurriedly consulted its contents instantly an irrepressible exclamation escaped him and he turned his face to the heavens with the look of one who recognizes the just providence of god the name which he had just read was that of the old lover of jacqueline jaffa roger holt and the address given was sixty three baxter street twilight comes with different aspects to the broad avenues of the rich and the narrow alleys of the poor in the reeking slums of baxter street poetry would have had to search long for the purple glamour that makes day's dying hour fair in open fields and perfumed chambers even the last dazzling gleam of the sun could awaken no sparkle from the bleared windows of the hideous tenement houses that reared their blank and disfigured walls toward the west the chill of the night blast and the quick dread that follows in the steps of coming darkness were all that could enter these regions unless it was the stealthy shades of vice and disease mr sylvester standing before the darkest and most threatening of the many dark and threatening houses that cumbered the street was a sight to draw more than one head from the neighbouring windows had it been earlier he would have found himself surrounded by a dozen ragged and importunate children had it been later he would have run the risk of being garroted by some skulking assassin as it was he stood there unmolested eyeing the structure that held within its gloomy recesses the once handsome and captivating lover of jacqueline jaffa he was not the only man who would have hesitated before entering there low and insignificant as the building appeared and its two stories certainly looked dwarfish enough in comparison with the two lofty tenement houses that pressed it upon either side there was something in its quiet almost uninhabited aspect that awakened a vague apprehension of lurking danger a face at a window would have been a relief even the sight of a customer in the noisome groggery that occupied the ground floor from the dwellings about came the hum of voices and now and then the sound of a shrill laugh or a smothered cry but from this house came nothing unless it was the slow ooze of a stream of half-melted snow that found its way from under the broken-down doorway to the gutter beyond stepping bravely forward mr sylvester entered the open door a flight of bare and rickety steps met his eye ascending them he found himself in a hall which must have been poorly lighted at any time 
but which at this late hour was almost dark. It was not very encouraging, but pressing on, he stopped at a door and was about to knock when his eyes becoming accustomed to the darkness, he detected, standing at the foot of the stairs leading to the story above, the tall and silent figure of a woman. It was no common apparition. Like a sentinel at his post, or a spy on the outskirts of the enemy's camp, she stood drawn up against the wall, her whole wasted form quivering with eagerness or some other secret passion, darkness on her brow and uncertainty on her lip. She was listening, or waiting, or both, and that with an entire absorption that prevented her from heeding the approach of a stranger's step. Struck by so sinister a presence, in a place so dark and desolate, Mr. Sylvester unconsciously drew back. As he did so, the woman thrilled and looked up, but not at him. A lame child's hesitating and uneven step was heard crossing the floor above, and it was towards it she turned, and for it she composed her whole form into a strange but evil calmness. "'Ah, he let you come, then!' Mr. Sylvester heard her exclaim in a low, smothered tone, whose attempted lightness did not hide the malevolent nature of her interest. "'Yes,' came back in the clear and confiding tones of childhood. "'I told him you loved me and gave me candy balls, and he let me come.' A laugh, quick and soon smothered, disturbed the surrounding gloom. "'You told him I loved you. Well, that is good. I do love you. Love you as I do my own eyes that I could crush, crush, for ever having lingered on the face of my betrayer. The last phrase was muttered and did not seem to convey any impression to the child. Hold out your arms and catch me, cried he. I am going to jump. She appeared to comply, for he gave a little ringing laugh that was startlingly clear and fresh. He asked me what your name was, babbled he, as he nestled in her arms. He is always asking what your name is. Dad forgets, Dad does. Or else it's because he's never seen you. And what did you tell him? She asked, ignoring the last remark with an echo of her sarcastic laugh. Mrs. Smith, of course. She threw back her head and her whole form acquired an aspect that made Mr. Sylvester shudder. That's good, she cried. Mrs. Smith, by all means. Then, with a sudden lowering of her face to his, Mrs. Smith is good to you, isn't she? Let's you sit by her fire when she has any, and gives you peanuts to eat, and sometimes spares you a penny. Yes, yes, the boy cried. Come then, she said. Let's go home. She put him down on the floor, and gave him his little crutch. Her manner was not unkind, and yet Mr. Sylvester trembled as he saw the child about to follow her. "'Didn't you ever have any little boys?' the child suddenly asked. The woman shrank, as if a burning steel had been plunged against her breast. Looking down on the frightened child, she hissed out from between her teeth. "'Did he tell you to ask me that? Did he dare?' She stopped and pressed her arms against her swelling heart, 
as if she would smother its very beats oh no of course he didn't tell you what does he know or care about mrs smith then with a quick gasp and a wild look into the space before her my child dead and her child alive and beloved what wonder that i hate earth and defy heaven she caught the boy by the hand and drew him quickly away you will be good to me he cried frightened by her manner yet evidently fascinated too perhaps on account of the faint sparks of kindness that alternated with gusts of passion he did not understand you won't hurt me you'll let me sit by the fire and get warm yes yes and eat a bit of bread with butter on it yes yes then i'll go she drew him down the hall why do you like to have me come to your house he prattled away she turned on him with a look which unfortunately mr sylvester could not see because your eyes are so blue and your skin is so white they make me remember her and who is her she laughed and seemed to hug herself in her rage and bitterness your mother she cried and in speaking it she came upon mr sylvester he at once put out his hand i don't know who you are said he but i do not think you had better take the child out to-night from what you say his father is evidently upstairs if you will give the boy to me i will take him back and leave him where he belongs you will the slow intensity of her tone was indescribable know that i don't bear interference from strangers and catching up the child she rushed by him like a flash you are probably one of those missionaries who go stealing about unasked into respectable persons rooms she called back if by any chance you wander into his tell him his child is in good hands do you hear in good hands and with a final burst of her hideous laugh she dashed down the stairs and was gone mr sylvester stood shocked and undecided his fatherly heart urged him to search at once for the parent of this lame boy and warn him of the possible results of entrusting his child to a woman with so little command over herself but upon taking out his watch and finding it later by a good half hour than he expected he was so struck with the necessity of completing his errand that he forgot everything else in his anxiety to confront holt knocking at the first door he came to he waited a quick snarl and a surprised come in announced that he had scared up some sort of a living being but whether man or woman he found it impossible to tell even after the door opened and the creature whoever it was rose upon him from a pile of rags scattered in one corner i want mr holt can you tell me where to find him upstairs was the only reply he received as the creature settled down again upon its heap of tattered clothing fain to be content with this he went up another flight and opened another door he was more successful this time one glance of his eye assured him that the man he was in search of sat before him he had never seen mr holt but the regular if vitiated features of the person upon whom he now intruded his lank but not ungraceful form and free if not airy manners 
were not so common among the denizens of this unwholesome quarter that there could be any doubt as to his being the accomplished but degenerate individual whose once attractive air had stolen the heart of colonel jaffer's daughter he was sitting in front of a small pine table and when mr sylvester's eyes first fell upon him was engaged in watching with a somewhat sinister smile the final twirl of a solitary nickel which he had set spinning on the board before him but at the sound of a step at the door a lightning change passed over his countenance and rising with a quick anticipatory ah he turned with hasty action to meet the intruder a second exclamation and a still more hasty recoil were the result this was not the face or the form of him whom he had expected mr holt i believe inquired mr sylvester advancing with his most dignified mien the other bowed but in a doubtful way that for a moment robbed him of his usual air of impudent self-assertion then i have business with you continued mr sylvester laying the man's own card down on the table before him my name is sylvester he proceeded with a calmness that surprised himself and i am the uncle of the young man upon whom you are at present presuming to levy blackmail the assurance which for a moment had deserted the countenance of the other returned with a flash his uncle re-echoed he with a low anomalous bow then it is from you i may expect the not unreasonable sum which i demand as the price of my attentions to your nephew's interest very good i am not particular from what quarter it comes so that it does come and that before the clock has struck the hour which i have set as the limit of my forbearance which is seven o'clock i believe which is seven o'clock mr sylvester folded his arms and sternly eyed the man before him you still adhere to your intention then of forwarding to mr stuyvesant at that hour the sealed communication now in the hands of your lawyer the smile with which the other responded was like the glint of a partly sheathed dagger my lawyer has already received his instructions nothing but an immediate countermand on my part will prevent the communication of which you speak from going to mr stuyvesant at seven o'clock the sigh which rose in mr sylvester's breast did not disturb the severe immobility of his lip have you ever considered the possibility said he of the man whom you overheard talking in the restaurant in day street two years ago not being mr bertram sylvester of the madison bank no returned the other with a short sharp and wholly undisturbed laugh i do not think i ever have will you give me credit then for speaking with reason when i declare to you that the man you overheard talking in the manner you profess to describe in your communication was not mr bertram sylvester a shrug of the shoulders highly foreign and suggestive was the other's answer it was mr sylvester or it was the devil proclaimed he with all deference to your reason my good sir or why are you here he keenly added mr sylvester did not reply 
with a sarcastic twitch of his lips the man took up the nickel with which he had been amusing himself when the former came in and set it spinning again upon the table it is half past six remarked he it will take me a good half hour to go to my lawyer mr sylvester made a final effort if you could be convinced said he that you have got your grasp upon the wrong man would you still persist in the course upon which you seem determined with a dexterous slate of hand movement the man picked up the whirling nickel and laid it flat on the table before him a fellow whose whole fortune is represented by a coin like that tapping the piece significantly is not as easily convinced as a man of your means perhaps but if i should be brought to own that i had made a mistake in my man i should still feel myself justified in proceeding against him since my very accusation of him seems to be enough to arouse such interest on the part of his friends wretch leaped to mr sylvester's lips but he did not speak it his friends declared he have most certainly a great interest in his reputation and his happiness but they never will pay anything upon coercion to preserve the one or to ensure the other they won't and for the first time roger holt slightly quavered a man's honour and happiness are much and he will struggle long before he will consent to part from them but a citizen of a great town like this owes something to his fellows and submitting to blackmail is but a poor precedent to set you will have to proceed as you will mr holt neither my nephew nor myself have any money to give you the glare in the man's eyes was like that of an aroused tiger do you mean to say cried he that you will not give from your abundance a paltry thousand dollars to save one of your blood from a suspicion that will never leave him never leave him to the end of his miserable days i mean to say that not one cent will pass from me to you in payment of a silence which as a gentleman you ought to feel it incumbent upon you to preserve unasked if only to prove to your fellow-men that you have not entirely lost all the instincts of the caste to which you once belonged not that i look for anything so disinterested from you he went on a man who could enter the home of a respectable gentleman and under cover of a brotherly regard lure into degradation and despair the woman who was at once its ornament and pride cannot be expected to practise the virtues of ordinary manhood much less those of a gentleman and a christian he is a wretch who whatever his breeding or antecedents is open to nothing but execration and contempt with an oath and a quick backward spring roger holt cried out who are you and by what right do you come here to reproach me with a matter dead and buried by heaven a dozen years ago the right of one who though a stranger knows well what you are and what you have done colonel jaffer himself is dead but the avenger of his honour yet lives roger holt where is jacqueline jaffer the force with which this was uttered seemed to confound the man for a moment he stood silent his eye upon his guest 
then a subtle change took place in his expression he smiled with a slow devilish meaning and tossing his head with an airy gesture lightly remarked you must ask some more constant lover than i a woman who was charming ten years ago bah what would i be likely to know about her now everything when that woman is jacqueline jaffer cried mr sylvester advancing upon him with a look that would have shaken most men but which only made the eye of this one burn more eagerly though you might easily wish to give her the slip she is not one to forget you if she is alive you know where she is speak then and let the worth of one good action make what amends it can for a long list of evil ones you really want to see the woman then enough to pay for it i mean the reward which has been offered for news of the fate or whereabouts of jacqueline jaffa still stands good was mr sylvester's reply the excited stare with which the man received this announcement slowly subsided into his former subtle look well well said he we will see the truth was that he knew no more than the other where this woman was to be found if i happen to come across her in any of my wanderings i shall know where to apply for means to make her welcome but that is not what at present concerns us your nephew is losing ground with every passing minute in a half hour more his future will be decided unless you bid me order my lawyer to delay the forwarding of that communication to mr stuyvesant in that case i believe i have already made it plain to you that i have no intentions of interfering with your action in this matter quoth mr sylvester turning slowly toward the door if you are determined to send your statement it must go only and here he turned upon the bitterly disappointed man with an aspect whose nobility the other was but little calculated to appreciate only when you do so be particular to state that the person whose story you thus forward to a director of the madison bank is not bertram sylvester the cashier but edward sylvester his uncle and the bank's president and the stately head bowed and the tall form was about to withdraw when holt with an excited tremble that affected even his words advanced and seized mr sylvester by the arm his uncle cried he why that is what you great heaven he exclaimed falling back with an expression not unmixed with awe you are the man and you have denounced yourself then quickly speak again let me hear your voice and mr sylvester with a sad smile repeated in a slow and meaning tone it is but one little fuss more then as the other cringed added a dignified good evening mr holt and passed swiftly across the room towards the door what was it that stopped him half way and made him look back with such a startled glance at the man he had left behind him a smell of smoke in the air the faint yet unmistakable odour of burning wood as though the house were on fire or ha the man himself has discerned it is on his feet is at the window has seen what 
his cry of mingled terror and dismay does not reveal mr sylvester hastens to his side the sight which met his eyes did not for the moment seem sufficient to account for the degree of emotion expressed by the other to be sure the lofty tenement house which towered above them from the other side of the narrow yard upon which the window looked was oozing with smoke but there were no flames visible and as yet no special manifestations of alarm on the part of its occupants but in an instant even while they stood there arose the sudden and awful cry of fire and at the same moment they beheld the roof and casements before them swarm with pallid faces as men women and children rushed to the first outlet that offered escape only to shrink back in renewed terror from the deadly gulf that yawned beneath them it was horrible all the more that the fire seemed to be somewhere in the basement story possibly at the foot of the stairs for none of the poor shrieking wretches before them seemed to make any effort to escape downwards but rather surged up towards the top of the building waving their arms as they fled and filling the dusk with cries that drowned the sound of the coming engines the scene appeared to madden holt my boy my boy my boy rose from his lips in an agonized shriek then as mr sylvester gave a sudden start cried out with indescribable anguish he is there my boy my own little chap a woman in that house has bewitched him and when he is not with me he is always at her side oh god curses on my head for ever letting him out of my sight do you see him sir look for him i beseech you he is lame and small his head would barely reach to the top of the window-sill and that was your boy cried mr sylvester and struck by an appeal which in spite of his abhorrence of the man at his side woke every instinct of fatherhood within him he searched with his glance the long row of windows before them but before his eye had travelled half-way across the building he felt the man at his side quiver with sudden agony and following the direction of his glance saw a wan little countenance looking down upon them from a window almost opposite to where they stood it is my boy shrieked the man and in his madness would have leaped from the casement if mr sylvester had not prevented him you will not help him so cried the latter see he is only a few feet above a bridge that appears to communicate with the roof of the next house if he could be let down but the man had already precipitated himself towards the door of the room in which they were tell him not to jump he called back i am going next door and will reach him in a moment tell him to hold on till i come mr sylvester at once raised his voice don't jump little boy halt if there is no one there to drop you down wait for your father he is going on the bridge and will catch you the little fellow seemed to hear for he immediately held out his arms but if he spoke his voice was drowned in the frightful hubbub meanwhile the smoke thickened around him and a dull ominous glare broke out from the midst of the building against which his weazen little face looked pallid as death his father will be too late groaned mr sylvester feeling himself somehow to blame for the child's horrible situation then observing that the other occupants of the building 
had all disappeared towards the front realized that whatever fire escapes may have been provided were doubtless in that direction and raising his voice once more called out across the yard don't wait any longer little fellow follow the rest to the front you will be burned if you stay there but the child did not move only held out his arms in a way to unman the strongest heart and presently while mr sylvester was asking himself what could be done he heard his shrill piping tones rising above the hiss of the flames and listening caught the words i cannot get away she is holding me dad help your little fella help me i'm so afraid of being burnt and looking closer mr sylvester discerned the outlines of a woman's head and shoulders above the small white face a distinct and positive fear at once seized him leaning out the better to display his own face and figure he called to that unknown woman to quit her hold and let the child go but a discordant laugh rising above the roar of the approaching flames was his only reply sickened with apprehension he drew back and himself made for the stairs in the wild idea of finding the father but just then the mad figure of holt appeared at the door with frenzy in all his looks i cannot push through the crowd cried he i have fought and struggled and shrieked but it is all of no use my boy is burning alive and i cannot reach him a lurid flame shot at that moment from the building before them as if in emphasis to his words he is prisoned there by a woman cried mr sylvester pointing to the figure whose distorted outlines was every moment becoming more and more visible in the increasing glare see she has him tight in her arms and is pressing him against the window-sill the man with a terrible recoil looked in the direction of his child saw the little white face with its wild expression of conscious terror saw the face of her who towered implacably behind it and shrieked appalled jacqueline he cried and put his hands up before his face as if his eyes had fallen upon an avenging spirit is that jacqueline jaffa asked mr sylvester dragging down the other's hands and pointing relentlessly towards the ominous figure in the window before him yes or her ghost cried the other shuddering under a horror that left him little control of his reason then your boy is lost murmured mr sylvester with a vivid remembrance of the words he had overheard she will never save her rival's child never the man looked at him with dazed eyes she shall save him he cried and stretching far out of the window by which he stood he pointed to the bridge and called out drop him jacqueline don't let him burn he can still reach the next house if he runs save my darling save him but the woman as if waiting for his voice only threw back her head and while a bursting flame flashed up behind her shrieked mockingly back oh i have frightened you up at last have i you can see me now can you you can call on jacqueline now the brat can make you speak can he well well call away i love to hear your voice 
It is music to me, even in the face of death. My boy, my boy, was all he could gasp. Save the child, Jacqueline, only save the child. But the harsh, scornful laugh she returned spoke little of saving. He is so dear, she hissed. I love the offspring of my rival so much. The child that has taken the place of my own darling, dead before ever I had seen its innocent eyes. Oh, yes, yes, I will save it, save it as my own was saved. When I saw the puny infant in your arms the day you passed me with her, I swore to be its friend, don't you remember? And I am so much of a one that I stick by him to the death, don't you see? And raising him up in her arms till his whole stunted body was visible, she turned away her brow and seemed to laugh in the face of the flames. The father writhed below in his agony. Forgive, he cried, forgive the past and give me back my child. It's all I have to love. It's all I've ever loved. Be merciful, Jacqueline, be merciful. Her face flashed back upon him, still and white. And what mercy have you ever shown to me? Fool, idiot, don't you see I have lived for this hour? To make you feel for once, to make you suffer for once as I have suffered. You love the boy, Roger Holt. I once loved you. And heedless of the rolling volume of smoke that now began to pour towards her, heedless even of the long tongues of hungry flame that were stretched out as if feeling for her from the distance behind, she stood immovable, gazing down upon the casement where he knelt with an indescribable and awful smile upon her lips. The sight was unbearable. With an instinct of despair, both men drew back, when suddenly they saw the woman start, unloose her clasp, and drop the child out of her arms upon the bridge. A hissing stream of water had fallen upon the flames, and the shock had taken her by surprise. In a moment the father was himself again. "'Get up, little fellow, get up!' he cried. "'Or if you cannot walk, crawl along the bridge to the next house.' I see a fireman there. He will lift you in. But at that moment, the flames, till now held under some control, burst from an adjoining window and caught at the woodwork of the bridge. The father yelled in dismay. Hurry, little fella, hurry, he cried. Get over towards the next house before it is too late. But a paralysis seemed to have seized the child. He arose, then stopped, and looking wildly about, shook his head i cannot he cried i cannot and the woman laughed and with a hug of her empty arms seemed to throw her taunts into the space before her are you a demon burst from mr sylvester's lips in uncontrollable horror don't you see you can save him if you will jump down then and carry him across or your father's curse will follow you to the world beyond yes climb down cried the fireman you are lighter than i don't waste a minute a second it is your own child jacqueline your own child came from holt's white lips in final desperation 
I have deceived you. Your baby did not die. I wanted to get rid of you, and I wanted to save him. So I lied to you. The baby did not die. He lived, and that is he, you see, lying helpless on the bridge beneath you. Not the clutch of an advancing flame could have made her shrink more fearfully. It is false, she cried. You are lying now. You want me to save her child, and dare to say it is mine. As God lives, he swore, lifting his hand and turning his face to the sky. Her whole attitude seemed to cry, No, no, to his assertion. But slowly, as she stood there, the conviction of its truth seemed to strike her, and her hair rose on her forehead, and she swayed to and fro, as if the earth were rolling under her feet. Suddenly she gave a yell and bounded from the window. Catching the child in her arms, she attempted to regain the refuge beyond, but the flames had not dallied at their work while she hesitated. The bridge was on fire, and her retreat was cut off. She did not attempt to escape. Stopping in the centre of the rocking mass, she looked down as only a mother in her last agony can do, on the child she held folded in her arms. Then, as the flames caught at her floating garments, stooped her head, and printed one wild and passionate kiss upon his brow. Another instant, and they saw her head rise to the accusing heavens. Then all was rush and horror, and the swaying structure fell before their eyes, sweeping its living freight into the courtyard beneath their feet. End of chapter 41